0: Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honour one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, If it is possible, as far as it is depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will pay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to eat, to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. I guess many of you like me, either on Monday evening or Tuesday morning, uh, will have been glued to the television sets as the terror of what had happened in Manchester on Monday evening unfolded. I guess many of you, like me, part of the terror is that you will have stood in the place where the explosion went off, waiting perhaps for your children. I've picked up my children from the uh, Manchester Arena many times. In fact, they should have been going on uh, Thursday evening to uh, take that concert. And I guess things like that bring it home, the uh, reality of the horror. Young people going out to enjoy themselves. For an evening, some of them not returning home. How do we respond? How do we respond? How do we respond to acts of terrible evil? Well, First of all, we have to remind ourselves that acts of terrible evil are happening all the time uh, later on in the week I think it was Friday, there was uh, people killed in Egypt in a terrorist attack, and these events happen all over the world almost on a, what seems like a weekly occurrence and if we 're honest uh, we 're not as troubled as events that happen further away than we are nearer to home, and that's understandable. As I've just mentioned, we can we can relate to the events that happened in Manchester. We perhaps can't as easily relate to the atrocities that take place in Egypt, in Syria, in Iraq, in places of Africa. But all over the world, on like I say, almost a weekly occurrence, there is some act of evil, terrorist act that takes place. So maybe one of the challenges is. You know, that we ought to be more concerned, that we ought to be more prayerful, that we ought to more have an ear to what is going on around the world. But how do we respond? How do we respond? Well, first of all, I think we need to listen to what God says. And by that, I mean by looking into his word, because God's word is relevant. God's word speaks into every situation, and it certainly speaks into this situation, What does God's word say? Well, God's word isn't easy, we have to be honest. Paul says this, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless. It kind of, it doesn't sit easy, does it? The idea of blessing those who persecute us. Our natural reaction and a a natural human reaction is to want to strike back. And of course part of the, the problem in the whole uh kind of war on terror is that the reality is people are striking back for what they perceive is being doing to being done to them. And there is a, a sense in which people some people feel they are at war. And uh whilst the issue is terribly complicated, uh we do know what the Christian response is. We do know what the Christian response is. And it is to want to bless. And do you know what bless means? You know, we, we, it's, it's not when somebody sneezes, you know, and you say, bless you. Um, if, if, if we're praying God's blessing on someone, uh, we're actually play, praying uh, for their salvation. We're praying for their good. We're, we're wanting to see them prosper. We're wanting to see them do well. So when we pray God's blessing on those who persecute us or those who want to harm us, um, it really is the opposite effect of what perhaps people are wanting to do to us. So Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And again, it is a a natural human response, isn't it? Uh, We see it in our children from a, a very young age, don't we? He hit me first. Uh, she, she did this to me first and uh, we excuse our behaviour from a small age because of what is done to us and yet Paul says do not repay anyone evil for evil do not take revenge my friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord it's difficult, isn't it, to, to leave things in God's hands. But when we do that, what we're actually doing is we are declaring our, our trust in God who is sovereign, in God who is judge, in God who rules the world. And when we say, well, we're going to leave it with God and we're going to seek to bless those who persecute us, we're actually putting our faith in a God who is in charge. It's an act of faith. Paul goes on to say, on the contrary, and this again, again it explains what it means to bless people. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Again, this isn't what will come natural. This isn't natural, but this is something that is supernatural. That we treat people Not as they treat us, but how God has treated us. Because let's remember that Paul previously in in Romans reminds us that it was while we were still God's enemies, that that it was while we were still living in a life of sin, that Jesus died for us. And that is how he showed his love. So, we listen to what God says. When we're faced with great tragedies, we can turn to God's word and we can find what it is we are supposed to be doing. We respond not by wanting to retaliate, but by wanting to bless, by wanting to pray for. And of course, um, I know people don't like it if uh, if we get a little bit political, but we do have a general election coming up in uh, in just over a week's time, and this place will be a, a place where people come and vote. And whilst I wouldn't want to, well, I wouldn't, it's not my position to tell you how to vote. Is you know when we're voting for people, we do need to consider about who we're voting for and what they stand for. And, uh, you know, we don't want to vote people who are just going to uh, perpetuate this, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth kind of thing. Uh, We do want to demonstrate uh, a Christian response. And so I would encourage you to vote. I would encourage you to encourage your family members to vote. I've been trying to persuade my children that it's worthwhile voting because we have a a generation of of young people that just don't vote. They feel disconnected. They feel that it won't make any difference. And we need to try and reconnect people and uh, make sure that they understand the importance. So we listen to what God says. You've heard that it is said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. This is Jesus in Matthew 5. Uh, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. In one sense, it's easier to pray for the victims, isn't it? Than for those who are the persecutors. But Jesus says we are to pray for those who persecute us. And again, there's a challenge there, isn't it? Uh, Because obviously our sympathy, our empathy goes out to those who are mourning, those who are weeping, those who are injured. But to pray for those who are persecuting us, that really does take something, doesn't it? But that's what Jesus says. And this is how we make sure that we are not overcome by evil. Because the reality is people that carry out such atrocities are people that have been overcome by evil. And the danger is that we respond in a similar way and we allow that evil to overcome us. And the danger is that sometimes people become the very thing that they hate. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we listen to what God says. We take God's word seriously. Uh, we look into God's word about what God's word says. And then we try and apply it to our lives. And then secondly, having listened, we then look at what Jesus does. How does Jesus respond when he's been persecuted? How, do, how does Jesus respond when he's... Uh, Confronted with hatred and evil? How does he respond? Is there an example here that we can take? Look at what Jesus does. And on the cross, Jesus overcame evil with good. On the cross, Jesus overcame evil with good. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the them he's talking about is those people that put the nails in his hands, those people that nailed him to the cross, those people that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. That's what he was doing, putting into practice what he taught. Pray for those who persecute you. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now Notice Jesus he doesn't, doesn't just pray for them, But there is grace and mercy in his prayer, they do not know what they are doing. They don't fully understand what they are doing. Please have mercy and grace on them, Father. Can we pray like that in our present society, in the present climate? Can we pray like Jesus prayed? Max Ricardo in his book, No Wonder They Call Him Saviour, says, Did you see what Jesus did not do? He did not retaliate. He did not bite back. He did not say, I'll get you. Come up here and say that to my face. Martin Luther King, who knew a little bit about persecution and evil, he says this, He, Jesus, knew that the old eye-for-an-eye eye philosophy would leave everyone blind. He did not seek to overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. Although crucified by hate, he responded with aggressive love. I like that term, aggressive love. The idea that we can respond to an aggressive hate by becoming even more aggressive in the love that we demonstrate in response to what is being doing to us. And of course Martin Luther paid the ultimate price in standing for peace and standing up for hatred. You know, we shouldn't think that because we do the right thing, that it means it will have a a good outcome. Jesus was crucified. Uh, Paul was martyred. Many of the disciples were martyred for doing the right thing. And of course Martin Luther King uh, was killed because he dared to stand up for the black people of America. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so we look at what Jesus does. We look at Jesus and we try and imitate Jesus' love, Jesus' grace, Jesus' compassion, and Jesus' forgiveness. We look to Jesus. Tom Wright says, When they struck him on the cheek and ripped the coat and shirt off his back, he went on loving and forgiving. He didn't show love only to his friends, but to his enemies. Weeping over the city that had rejected his plea for peace, he was the true embodiment of the God Of whom he spoke. Jesus demonstrated how to love your enemies, how to pray for your enemies. So, if we are going to make sure that we are not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil by good, we need to look at what Jesus does when he is faced with evil. Rob Bell, in his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians talking about the growing need for evil. He says, If evil always takes some form of violence, then violence isn't going to solve anything. On the night Jesus was betrayed, a group of soldiers came with swords and clubs to arrest him, which is of course absurd, that this is how it is with those addicted to the myth of redemptive violence. They come with swords and clubs, because they are, this is the only language they know how to speak. Jesus' disciples are outraged and one of them takes out his sword and starts swinging. Jesus tells him to put his sword away. Someone would have to have the courage to put away the sword forever. Regardless of the consequences for his own security, no matter how tempting it is to pick it up and start swinging, someone would have to say, Father forgive them because they just don't get it. Look at what Jesus does. He's the one who says, Put away the sword. We're not going to fight violence with violence. We're going to fight violence with love. And we're going to win. And the thing is, most of the time when you try and fight violence with love, it doesn't look like you're winning. It doesn't feel like you're winning. Because if somebody's standing there with a sword, and you're standing there with a sign saying, free hugs, you kind of think you know who's going to win. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We look at what Jesus does. And then thirdly, having listened and having looked, we have to learn to live like that. We have to learn to live like that because it doesn't come naturally. We have to learn to live like that because part of our instincts, part of our human nature will say something else. And there will be voices, we said we need to listen to God, there will be other voices that say this is what we should do and that's what we should do. And we need to sort this problem out. We need to learn to live like that, we need to learn to live like Jesus, loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. Is something we need to learn, and we learn by we learn by practicing, don't we? Have you noticed if you practice something, um, you actually get better at it? A few weeks ago, Ian uh, Barry and said they were short uh, for a game of badminton and did a fancier game, and I said I did, and I, and I went along and I played. And the next day, I was so sore I couldn't move my arms. I could hardly move. I realised how unfit I was. Um, But I went back again and again and again. And and believe it or not, I got a little bit better. Because if you practice something, you get better at it. And if we practice uh, loving our enemies and praying for those who, at first, it will be it will seem it will seem totally ridiculous thing to do. To want to bless those who have nothing but hatred for you will seem ridiculous, but you have to practice it and you have to learn it. We have to learn to love our enemies, to do good those who hate you and to bless those who curse you and to pray for those who mistreat you. This is what Jesus said, but this is also what Jesus did. He demonstrated it to his disciples. And when his disciples thought there was a better way, like getting the sword out or not going to the cross... Jesus had to reprimand them and say, no, this is the way that we are going. This is how we're going to win the battle. Learn to live like Jesus. We've got to learn to live like that. And the hope that we see is in the response of ordinary people who gather in Manchester and bury in places, uh, not with hatred the response of the common people has been one of love. The crowd breaks into the song Don't Look Back in Anger after the Manchester silence. And of course, everywhere you see these messages of love Manchester, love for all, hatred for none. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope and that gives me encouragement that people genuinely want to demonstrate that they are not going to be overcome by evil, but they are going to overcome evil with good. And they might not realise that what they are doing is a very Christian thing to do. They might not realise that what they are doing is exactly what Paul said we should be doing, exactly what Jesus said we will be doing. And people out there in the community that probably have... Uh, No relationship with church and maybe even no relationship with God are doing a godly thing when they stand together and say, we're not going to hate, we're going to love. And we need to kind of engage with that. We need to say, well, you know, some people struggle for the right words. Well, the Christian faith has the words for just such an occasion. And of course many people at times like this will come into churches. Many of the churches in the city centre have been open and people have been going in and lighting candles and praying. People that wouldn't normally go into churches when there's a disaster, when there's a a tragedy. They don't know where to turn. So they turn to God and to the church. They might not come back the following week. But at that moment there is an opportunity for the church to minister. To minister God's grace, to minister God's forgiveness, and to say, We have the words for just such a time as this. But, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to learn to live like that. And we need to recognize that we can learn from people that might not share our faith. That we can learn from a grieving mother that stands up with tears in her eyes. And saying, I'm not going to hate those that did this. That's not what my son or daughter would have wanted. That's not the sort of person they were. And we need to recognise that we can learn from that. And we need to learn to live like that. Nelson Mandela, again somebody who knew something about hatred, who knew something about persecution, says this, No one is born hating another person because of the colour of his skin or the background or his religion, People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. And we've seen some truth in that this week, haven't we? We've seen some truth that to the vast majority of people, their response is that they don't want to hate those that do such terrible things. They want to demonstrate a love. A forgiveness. A compassion. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to learn to love like Jesus. Because Jesus knew how to love people, didn't he? He knew how to love the people that nobody else loved. He knew how to treat people. He knew how to bless people. He knew how to pick people up when they'd been knocked down. He knew what to say to people. He knew how to engage with ordinary people. People that perhaps wouldn't have darkened the doors of the synagogue were drawn to Jesus because of his love, because of his compassion, because he was God. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I've I've read this book from cover to cover. And at the end of the day, you know, love does win. Love does win.